You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Have you ever wished you could save the entire planet from an invading army of space aliens with just a bow and arrow? If so, you have found the right podcast. Welcome to Systematic Geekology, episode 19. We're going to do a character deep dive on Marvel's favorite archer, Hawkeye. I am Will Rose. I'm a Lutheran pastor in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and really excited to for this episode today where we can talk about a character that uh, I knew some about, but I uh, in preparing for this podcast, grew to know and love even deeper. So, uh, yeah, glad to be with you. Uh, I am Joe. I am a broadcaster and marketer, um, and I am uh, coming at this with an interestingly uh, an interesting combination of. Um, some nostalgia, but also learning new aspects of this corner of the Marvel Universe. So I'm excited for this. Yeah, and so this is uh, this podcast, this episode is, is for everyone, is for beginners. If you know a lot about Hawkeye or know nothing about Hawkeye, uh, this, this is uh, a podcast for you. Um, we will be talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe Disney Plus TV show, Hawkeye, uh, the first and second episode. So if you haven't watched those episodes yet, there will probably be some spoilers later on in, in this uh, conversation about those episodes. So go back and watch that and come back. Uh, but yeah, we're basically going to talk about Hawkeye and his place in the pantheon of heroes in the Marvel Universe and even in DC and all heroes, really. And and why would you ever bring a bow and arrow to a superhero mystical magic fight? Well, you know, he's, he's an everyman or everywoman. He is... Um, a hero who brings a bow and arrow because he's a good shot and he doesn't need all the magical weapons. And that's kind of who he is. So yeah, let's dive in to, to the character of, of Hawkeye and, and where his history and where he shows up uh, in the universe, did a little digging and his first appearance uh, is in tales of suspense night uh, in 1964 tales of suspense uh, issue 57. So, you know, um, Joe, you were saying that you were, you, there's another character in the DC universe that you're a big fan of who also happens to be an archer. Who would that be? Um, so I am a huge fan of Green Arrow. I have been for years. And to me, that whole idea of, of somebody that, um, it has all of the skills to be a hero, but is a is a maybe a reluctant hero at best, and at other times um, struggles with not being the villain sort of thing. And and so for me, that was that I, I really enjoyed that character. So when I found out that um, Marvel had their version of in every man archer sort of thing. Um, I was absolutely drawn to that character, but for me, it's, it's funny. I look back on how my opinions have changed and things like that. And I remember being a kid and seeing Hawkeye for the first time. And I'm like, why is this guy wearing 
purple with a weird thing on his face, totally ignoring that the other one is in like lime green. You know what I mean? Like not that that's not weird, but purple, that's a bridge too far. Says with, a feather, with, a with a feather in his cap, right? With yeah, exactly. <laughs> Says the guy with the purple beard. So there's that. So Marvel, uh, we're like, hey, we need an archer too. So why don't we create one? So they they created Hawkeye and that Tales of Suspense. And then they, he joined the Avengers and Avengers number 16 in, in 1965, a, a year later. So uh, DC had their arrow guy. Here comes Hawkeye, who is their arrow guy. But but yeah, he has his crazy outfit because he's from the circus. His right. background is that he was uh, orphaned at eight years old and fell into being a circus act and trained by this trick shot or sharpshooter called the swordsman. And um, so he was trained to be a sharpshooter. So he's used to being kind of circus clothes and a circus act, uh, uh, entertaining everyone with how good he is with a bow and arrow or any kind of object that can be used as kind of a, a target or, or sharpshooter. Right. You look at some of the mainstays that in 2021, almost 2022, you it's hard to think back or even realize that some of these mainstays have their their own roots and have their own histories and origin points and things like that. Characters like Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, you know, but when you look back at their at the history of these characters, people appreciated them. People, you take the Fantastic Four for example. People appreciated them because they, you saw in those books family dynamics. It was like everyday family issues, but with superpowered individuals. Same thing with Spider-Man. There's a reason why so many people relate with Spider-Man as this kid, even though in the comics he hasn't been a kid in decades at this point <laughs> that because when when these stories are first coming out you have this true to heart coming of age story and you have it's it's relatable and that's something that marvel for as much grief as i give them um ha- has been able to consistently provide very well for its listeners if you want or for 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 its readers you know what i mean like i might not be out there you know trying to be a vigilante or whatever but i certainly understand that there are aspects of my personality there are aspects of my skill set that could be used for the kingdom for the glory of god Hmm. or specifically for very selfish gains, for monetary gains, for self um, advancement, I guess. And so I think on some level, some more than others can relate with this with this character that didn't start off mustache twirling. You know what I mean? Uh, as as the you know the big bad, and suddenly you're brought you're brought to see the error of your ways, sort of thing. No, this is kind of a gradual thing. This is kind of a reluctant sort of thing, more of just a way of life sort of deal than than necessarily trying to 
um, go out there and, and dominate the world and things like that. So much of the soup of the day on both sides of the aisle is mustache twirling and big bombastic characters and capes and, you know, gods and all of this kind of stuff. And you have this dude, I'm, I'm taken back to the scene between Jeremy Renner and Scarlet Witch um, in Age of Ultron, where he's giving her the pep talk. And he's like, I'm about to go out there and fight these guys. I've got a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. You know what I mean? But it, it, it's a perfect illustration of a guy that's just using what he can to fight the good fight. Yeah. And I think Marvel leaned into, like you said, um, the relationships uh, that affect us. So the more relational aspect of these heroes, the heroes, yes, they have powers, they're fighting evil. Uh, they are wrestling with what their purpose in the, in the world or in their universe, but they also have deep relationships, whether it's their aunt or whether it's their family or it's their sisters or, you know, what, or with their team that they're teaming up with. They, they really lean into this aspect of we're all in relationships with one another. And, and I think that's what, you know, as, as people of faith and involved with faith communities that we're, it's not just me and God, it's just not me and Jesus, but I am in a relationship with others and building king, a, a kingdom, a kingdom that people have used so often that we're all this kinship among us as, as human beings. And so Marvel has leaned into that over the years. And, and yeah, like you said, Hawkeye has always been that kind of, um, yeah, he's, he's Marvel's arrow guy, but there's all this, also this self-awareness that he re he's realizing that he's bringing this kind of ancient archaic weapon to a modern day fight with all these, these superheroes. So he's often kind of, uh, self-deprecating or, uh, or feelings of un, uh, unappreciated. Um, but he also know he has the skill. He's been trained by Captain America on how to fight. He's been, he knows how to handle his own when it comes to, to uh, a fight. Um, but he also deeply loves those, those around him. So I think that's kind of the heart of this, of this character and what makes him so lovable is the fact that he is, um, kind of uh, everyone if he can be on the avengers anybody can be avengers and in fact in right. in, a, in the marvel spinoff 1984 west coast avengers you know uh they have the spinoff book where he is hawkeye who's leading the avengers except on the west coast in san francisco and there's a page right on the second page he's kind of talking with mockingbird his wife and they're they're kind of like who me why why am i a part of the avengers do i have the gifts or the ability or experience to do this and he goes hey um if i can be avenger anyone can right and he even looks almost breaks the fourth wall and looks past the panel at the reader and so in the movies in the comics he's the one you're like yeah yeah there i maybe can't be captain america i didn't take a super soldier serum i didn't uh, get radiated by gamma rays and become the hulk or bit by a spider or or rich enough to where i can create this armor suit but but i can look at hawkeye and go yeah maybe maybe i could be avenger um with with whatever gifts I have and bring to the table, and that's something that I would I would dare say and mark your calendars that I'm actually giving Marvel the nod on something over DC, but I would I would go as far as to say that with the Hawkeye character, Marvel was able to accomplish a level of everyman presentation that DC has not necessarily ever been able to 
um, match in the same kind of way. Um, you know, I like all of the trimmings as far as Green Arrow, you know, the, the universe that he sits in, all of those kinds of things. But when it comes to characters like Oliver Queen, like Bruce Wayne, these non-powered characters, they always fall back on the MacGuffin of they're billionaires. They're just rich. And we all know, we all know being rich is in fact a superpower. Like there's just a, a, a litany of other things available to you. If there's enough zeros at the end of your bank account, like going to space, we have billionaires in our own universe who can go to space if they want to. Exactly. Exactly. So, so they, DC hasn't been able to present this character that like Marvel, where they can, they can, make you appreciate this character to such a degree that you can, you know, live vicariously, I guess, to an extent through this character. You know what I mean? Like if they can, like you were saying, if they can do it, I can do it sort of thing. It's kind of like for my generation, the big one is the power Rangers, right? When we were kids, you're like, you know, yeah, that's, you know, we, you, you envisioned yourself, as one of these kids because it was one of those situations where it was just everyday people that you know wasn't some mutant it wasn't some you know superpowered individual it was just everyday people and that's something that has if anything been taken up a notch with the mcu uh presentation of hawkeye for me that just Head and shoulders, like one of easily top three, absolutely would hear a would hear an argument for the best character within the MCU. Not coolest, not flashiest, but when you're talking about out and out character, I would put him right at the top of that pile. And I think a big part of that, like we're saying, is. You looking back at just the, how rich the care the the history is for this character, and how he's been everything from a villain to a leader. That there's just so much to pull from that makes you care. Right, and this is that call story, like you said, you alluded to it—the call story of of being called to something greater than myself. Where it, that they, they're part of these books, and that's it's part of scripture in the Bible as well. Whether it's Moses or or Peter or the prophets, others that that feel like maybe they don't quite matter, just an everyday fisherman. Oh wow, here comes this guy calling me to join on the team and be a part of that something higher. The kingdom of God has come near, and and this rabbi wants me to be a part of it. Wow, what do I have that can bring to the table and brings out the best in us? to come and be a part of that. So, so that call story is a big part of, of, of these two. And, and so, so yeah, as we talk about Marvel and, and these characters um, that become relatable, that become part of like the everyday struggle or the relationships of a family, you know, Marvel has the same, you know, once they have a long history, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of their characters, they also wrestle with like DC, how, how do we identify or attract younger readers? And so kind of the history of, of Hawkeye and the comics, we have, you know, yeah, he was in Tales of Suspense, then Avengers, then he had his own limited series in 1983, then the West Coast Avengers 1984, 
And then it looks like I found a series that I actually had in my in some of my boxes, a limited series in 1994, which is a more gritty. If we know the comics in the 90s, it was more of a gritty. He's almost like they try to make him like a Wolverine or a Punisher kind of kind of character. Um, and then in um, 2005, Marvel releases a book called The Young Avengers. And again, they're youngifying, if that's even a word, the Avengers to make, hey, they're not just sidekicks, but here are some characters that are similar to the Avengers that we can have younger readers identify with. And it's within that book that you have the first appearance of, of Kate Bishop, um, who would eventually become another version of Hawkeye in The Young Avengers and is in this uh, new TV series on, on Disney+. Plus. So her first appearance was in Young Avengers uh, in 2005. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think we look at him and there are parts where he is an everyday guy with the air, but there's parts in the comics when he does have like a sky cycle. You know, he flies around on this sky motorcycle and he has the trick arrows. He has the loud costume. How does he stand out in, in the midst of a lot of people who have a lot of big powers and big money? Well, they found ways to do this. He hasn't always had his, uh, his own series over, you know, throughout the years. He's come and gone with a little series to kind of lean into it. But he's died a couple times and they brought him back a couple times just like like all all heroes but then his his marvel cinematic universe first appearance was in the first thor movie and so you have shield surrounding this hammer uh that's in the ground and they're like someone's coming to get it what is this thing and the first time we see hawkeye in this and the in the MCU is he's perched up high, looking down, ready to take out whoever comes gets near that hammer or, or, or is a threat to the universe or to shield or to the United States. Yeah. Um, it's really something special when comic book creators can find that line between I can put this character in bombastic situations that are with larger than life characters and they fit in and it makes sense and it's compelling, but can also create these storylines that have to do with raw human emotion and experience. I'm yeah. drawn to, uh, you were going through his, um, you were going through the his, the comic book history of Hawkeye, and I'm drawn to Matt Fraction's run on mm -hmm. on Hawkeye yeah, right as yeah. absolutely mm -hmm. um, the pinnacle of down to earth story storytelling in a world that's anything but down to earth during that whole period of Hawkeye's story where he is the Ronin uh, right. chef's kiss. Like you're, you're talking about somebody who's taken to the brink of what breaks a man. You know what I mean? Like it, not to, not to go over to, to the Joker side, but all it takes <laughs> is one bad day. You know what I mean? How far can exactly. a person be pushed before they break? And if you break and you have all of these skills, what do you do with that? What happens? You know what I mean? And, and I think that comics are at their best when they're willing to ask those questions, 
to push those boundaries, to be able to ask morally relevant questions of the reader and make the reader think, you know, what if I was this guy who was pushed to a breaking point and, you know, how, how would I react to that? Yeah. And I think, man, boy, over the last couple of years, uh, how we've all been kind of pushed to a breaking point, whether you're ministry or whether you're working or whether you're a nurse or you're a frontline worker or whether you're a police officer. I mean, they, these kinds of things, anybody, you're, you're a stay at home parent trying to get your kids through school, online school. Like we were pushed to our breaking point. And so, yeah, one bad day could push us over, over the edge. And part of these stories we identify with and, and the movies that we watch is, yeah, we're entertained by them, but they also help us process our own human emotion and, and how we navigate this world and and what that means for us. So yeah. So yeah. And if and and as you watch this Hawkeye show, yeah, the the source material it's not word for word. It's not panel by panel, but it's it's right out of this Matt Fraction, David. Um, how do you say his last name? Aja Aga. I believe so. Aja, and then uh, the the name of the book is Hawkeye: My Life as a Weapon, and it's. And you see how he gets beat up. He's bruised. He has to go to the doctor. He's cut up. But he also takes on a bunch of nin- like eight ninjas by being tied to a chair. So you see what he can do <laughs> also with his his skill. And he's mentoring Kate Bishop there. She goes back way to, to 2005 in Young Avengers. But then they had there's eight years there of her storyline and uh, encountering Hawkeye for the first time. And then and then this Matt Fraction run. Uh, is just a awesome way to see how he takes her under uh, his wing and how not only does she help him, he helps her and, and that kind of mutual relationship, the dynamics of, of these relationships, how you can care for one another. So yeah. that, that is a highly recommended read as you're, if you like comics, like graphic novels, you know, watch this show and want to look at the source material. Um, that's the way to go for sure. Um, so yeah, so he, you know, going back to this, yeah, he showed up in a Thor movie. He showed up in a couple movies and then here comes 2012, the Avengers, they come together and he is, uh, you know, similar to Black Widow, she's got a pistol. He's got a bow and arrow, and they're fighting an army of aliens come out of a portal to take over the world. Absolutely, and it's to me, it asks questions that as humans. We it should make us uncomfortable because it mm-hmm. it requires us to think, right? Many of us out there, especially those of us who were not inclined to be the good guy our whole uh, our whole lives, um, tend to have a past. You know, tend to, to think that that whole, you know, g- w- taking a walk down memory lane can get very, very complicated very, very quickly. And, I, it, and what triggers those two for you? Like anything can he went to go just see a musical of the Avengers. Right. And as he's watching this play on stage, he's triggered uh, because of things And same way. If you, whatever you're wrestling with or trauma you have, you never know when that can prop back up in your own life, too. Right. Right. Um, and what and, do you do with that? And it becomes very easy to start asking questions like, do I deserve to Mm. be forgiven? Do I deserve to have, you know, the love of my family, to, to have good things like this stable? And then on the other side, just just wanting, just thirsting for that that sense of normalcy. 
You know what I mean? Right. Like leave, leave the nonsense behind, leave all of whatever that is in the past and just so cling to what you have now because you understand what life, what looks like without those things. You know what I mean? It's why I often say that, you know, faith is best tested under extreme circumstances because it shows it shows you what life looks like without God and mm. how truly horrific that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, what, what this show is also going to do that I like to see is that dynamic of kind of an older, jaded, um, maybe somewhat cynical older dude with a younger person who has lots of, who's very idealistic and, and is looking at the world, the world's their oyster. So the, the tension between the two, this older dude, who's like, oh man, I've been there back. I don't want to keep doing this to a younger person. who's like, yeah, the whole world's ahead of me. And I want to be like you and the tension between the two, because as I get older and in ministry, there's times where I'm like, oh my gosh, I've seen it all. What am I doing? Uh, but then to see someone coming out of seminary and be like, they're just so ready to take on the world. You're like, yeah, I need that energy help me infuse me with more idealism and what can be done in a world or, or feed me with that hope that we had kind of, kind of long for. So that, that uh, dynamic between um, uh, Clint and, and Kate will be, will be fun to see how it, how it plays out. Yeah. I made a, a joke to my wife when we were watching these, that, that, that dynamic between the two very much reminded me of my, my, the last leg of my um, time in the restaurant business. Um, I was a chef for <laughs> over a decade and ran wow. restaurants a across the country. And I, I remember towards the, towards the back nine of my time in the kitchen that these CA grads would come in, you know, uh, full of, you know, pep and not understanding what the restaurant business does to you. <laughs> Do you know what you've gotten yourself into? Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. and, you know, you just look, you want to look at them like, uh, yeah. like the grizzled old vet that doesn't want to like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, it, and, and for me, that was exactly when I knew it was time for me to hang up the apron and leave the restaurant business behind. But yes, that is something that, you know, I, I, I think it's, again, to go back to that whole relatability thing, I really think even with even with the, the most bombastic of characters, the best stories are told when they have an air of relatability to them. When you yeah. boil it down to concepts that that anybody can wrestle with. Yeah, so I got back reading and got back into comics like the early 2000s and, and through. And so right when they kind of dismantled or disassembled the Avengers and then had new Avengers and then they had the young Avengers and then they rebooted Hawkeye, all, all these storylines were really kind of like, oh, wow, just diving real deep into these comics. So, so the character at the end of episode two is this character called Echo. Right. And she's a, a, a deaf uh 
Native American who has power similar to that of, of Daredevil or Daredevil, his senses are enhanced because he can't see her senses are enhanced because she can't hear. So she, her name is echo in a sense that she can mimic almost like taskmaster mimic and mirror what you do. So if you're a great fighter, she can copy exactly what you're doing in front. So she was actually introduced in the Daredevil universe in the comics and had a, um, a connection to Kingpin. So I don't know if they're going to lean that into the New York, if this is how, uh, the present day MCU or Disney plus is going to reintroduce daredevil or kingpin because of echoes background. But that's something to think about. I'm not going to look for legacy characters uh, under every rock and uh, every Disney plus TV show. Cause I think we get caught. Oh man, maybe it's manifesto this time, but uh, no, that, um, but it could be a, a daredevil or a kingpin connection, but I'm, Echo is a cool, cool character I like in the in the Marvel universe that's been put in, who has who has been Ronin before, who's been a part of the New Avengers before, who who's a neat character that um, I'm I, I can't wait to see what they do with her. She's definitely an anti-hero. She has a grit to her. At least the end of this, uh, the second episode. Um, so I don't know if they'll pull her in as as kind of a quasi-hero or just keep her a villain or what. But uh, that's got me. That last page reveal has got me. Can't wait till um, Wednesday night to see what episode three going to happen. To episode three. Yeah, I'm I'm low key very much. Um, uh, excited for you know trying not to fall into the trap of you know trying to guess what's coming down the pike sort of thing i've mm-hmm. i've been saying especially with everything <laughs> post end game people just need to calm down when yeah, it comes to enjoy the ride yeah. enjoy the ride yeah <laughs> but seeing either or both uh daredevil um and kingpin on like mix it up with the main characters Awesome, because both of those characters are very well done by the actors that portray them. So, yeah. So we'll say that, yeah, episodes one and two are fun. Uh, uh, our plan for systematic ecology is to do uh, kind of a Patreon after show for episode three and then the following um, episodes. So uh, we invite you to support us on on Patreon. If you want those extra feeds, then join us on Patreon and then we'll put out those extra shows and after shows where we discuss um the TV shows as, as they come out uh, in the weeks ahead, we have at least right up to Christmas. We got, we got four more episodes and four more weeks. And so we'll see how this unfolds and how it ties to the whole universe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's pull on some scripture. Uh, we, we like to pull scripture in to our conversation when we discuss these things that we geek out on. And so uh, I found uh, everyone's favorite book, Lamentations. Lamentations chapter three, verse 12, God bent God's bow and set me as a target for the arrow. Now, if you go back and read Lamentations chapter three, it's pretty depressing because as again, as we talked about earlier, that that capture the raw human emotion. Uh, Lamentations, all joking aside, is is a book that gives a voice to our our feelings and frustrations that that the world is against us. And sometimes we feel that God is against us, against us, that God is making us a target of some divine wrath. And so this person, whoever authored Lamentations, is is really shaking their fist at God and praying with a raw human emotion, God set God's bow on me and set it as a target uh, to me. And I feel like I'm under attack. Um, And we've all felt that way before that we're under attack by the world or even by God. And again, those feelings, am I worthy? What's going on? What is justice? Uh, Those questions that we all wrestle with. 
Yeah, um, it's. I think one of the biggest reasons why that particular section of the Bible is so thick to try and dive into is because you're talking about the honesty of emotion and the rawness of that and going there and all of those kinds of things. And so wrestling with these questions is healthy. Doing those, mm-hmm. that yes. kind of inventory, even if everything that you find isn't good, because we are fallible creatures after all, and we are not going to be doing everything right. But just because we find things that make us ask questions and things like that, you know, that, that, that doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing. That's a good thing especially if it leads us to start asking questions about this whole thing. You know what I mean? I'm taken back to when I first got saved and after I, some, some godly men in my life helped me away from some false gospels, like the prosperity gospel, things like that, that I had fallen into. And I was literally the perfect mark for it left me with, okay, so I survived. I survived being sick. And now I've got this relationship. What next? You can't tell me that this is just 70, 80 years of slogging through garbage in order to get to the good stuff afterwards. And that forces you to ask questions, to to, to poke and to prod. You know what I mean? And, And that is a good thing to do, especially if you are somebody who has a preponderance of backstory leading into a relationship with God. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of other stuff there that, you know, as it doesn't matter where you move to, it doesn't matter what you, what, what, if you change your location, if you change your occupation, if you get married or if you don't, if, if you cross that threshold from non-believer to kingdom citizen, then you've got to unpack those things with God and that's uncomfortable Mm. and that's hard. And that's, especially if it's, if it's some of the more extreme examples of how that can go and things like that. So uh, it's, if, if being able to say that you, you can relate in a way with these kinds of feelings that are contained in this portion you know, the, the feelings that are portrayed in this portion of scripture, understand that that just means that you are human. These were humans that wrote this divinely inspired, but humans that wrote this in. And so the, the through line tracks that this is just humanity. This is a byproduct of being people, being creatures that are inclined to serve self and thus sin. Right. And, and the, the mark of a, of a deep, authentic relationship is being able to be on, honest uh, with what we're truly feeling. And I think Lamentations is one of those books where they're being brutally honest with uh, their God of, of what they're feeling, what they're going through, and, and the raw human emotion that goes with it. And we're talking about bow and arrows and targets. You know, the, you know, often I've, I've heard that sin is, is just missing the mark. 
uh, humans, no matter how accurate we feel like we are with the bow and arrow or darts or cornhole or whatever you're doing, uh, we're not perfect. Uh, we're not going to have a hole in one every time. We're not going to hit the bullseye every time. Sin is just missing the mark. And, and we miss the mark. Humans have um, a knack of turning tools into weapons. And so uh, it's not God who are doing these things, uh, destruction. It's, it's us that turns tools uh, into weapons against other people, tools that are maybe used for hunting, to eat, uh, to, to survive. We then turn on other people and other tribes uh, to exploit them. So so that's that's the mark of sin, is, is missing the mark and turning uh, good human tools into weapons against one another. And and I and I truly believe that that um, God's true target for us is is our heart, and God's arrows is is mercy, love, and grace. It's it's not wrath, uh, it's it's not judgment. It's it's love, mercy, and grace. And and our hearts are the one that God goes after, and we're, we're called to surrender to God in our lives. And, and our life is a lifelong process of of training and practicing and learning and growing in community with one another on on how to love one another and and how to love God that first loved us. Yeah, you, I think sometimes the misconception is that God takes joy in, um, you know, taking care of sinners, I guess is a good way of putting it. Here's the gimmick, though. There's a reason why God hasn't come back yet. Because we're not, we're not ready. And think about that for a second. Mm. Once he comes back, mm. bam, done. Like the 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 song and dance is over. Now it's time to pay, to pay the piper. Now it's time to, you know, figure out the what you know make make. I'm gonna say make amends for everything that's that that's happened so far. So you know, you look at you look at the. the state of humanity and then you're the state of yourself you realize that the only way that this makes sense for me i've i just had a conversation with another kingdom dude recently about this the only way that this whole god thing makes sense to me is if you realize wait a minute it's not about the rules and the regulations it's not about the traditions it's not about the denominations Sorry, Pastor. It's it's it. not it's it's <laughs> about the relationship. It's about kingdom. The kingdom is more than just heaven. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. There's a present tense to that, and that mm. means that the the wonderful news, fam, is that you can have an active participatory relationship with God, and that's what God wants. And so you you realize that it's not about, you know, if I've, I've often joked that if you are focused on hell, when you're talking about Jesus, then your perspective is off because you're talking about the greatest thing that's ever happened to mankind versus the, the punishment of our own creation in a way. And that's the hell as a whole is a whole other conversation. I, I, I don't want to leave it in shorthand because what I just said isn't necessarily correct, but the, the, the original intention for hell was not a prison for sinners. It was not for a place for anybody that doesn't believe to go. That wasn't the initial, but as humans exercise their free will, you end up you you end up with what we have and so that 
when you realize that, you know, that whole wrath and judgment thing, yeah, that's a part of it. I'm not trying to play like it's not. You, you, every, there, there's judgment. There is wrath as a part of justice, but it's not like that's what God is trying for. God is trying to reconcile us to himself. He loves us so much that he has opened the door, that he has created the bridge for us to be able to reconcile this whole sin nature thing. Because otherwise, that's it. That's the, that's that's it as far as humanity goes. Because you know, we might not think that we're the worst thing in the world, but compare your rap sheet against what Jesus says, and you realize, man, that thing's a lot longer than I realized it was. <laughs> yeah, I have a good friend who, who says that if if your God isn't as nice and as loving as Jesus, then you probably have the wrong God. So <laughs> com- compare compare your your God with with how Jesus operated in the world, and and there you go. And I I agree. Like traditions, uh, denominations are merely tools to help us focus uh, and practice our faith. And as we talked about humans taking tools and turning them into weapons against other people, humans have the knack of turning traditions and and denominations as weapons against other people or distractions away and get in the way of our real relationship with, with God. So it's not traditions and denominations that, that, that are, are, the means of of salvation is God. The, these traditions and sacraments and and expressions of the Christian tradition are, are merely tools to help us focus and and wrap our heads and hearts around how much God loves us. And as humans do, we we miss the mark and we turn them into weapons or ways to distract us or or keep others out. And and that's what Jesus came to save us from. So. And that's why we're doing communities like this, this Mac Ecology, where we can give people permission to geek out and gather in community and, and hold each other accountable to these things as well. Good, good stuff, Joe. And uh, yeah, so as we wrap this up, again, we point you to our social media accounts and uh, our website. If there's anything you want us to talk about or questions about Hawkeye, uh, questions about that you want to explore in these other episodes, then then let us know. And uh, we'll we'll dive into it. Uh, Joe, you got some recommendations of what people can dive into. Yeah, if you know, not not to be redundant, but if you are um, the type of person that relates with a grittier side of comics, one that's a little bit more grounded, um, then absolutely seek out Matt, Matt Fraction's run on Hawkeye. It is. Yeah out of bounds like it's some of the best storytelling that i've found when it comes to comics um it helps that that is exactly the type of comic that i really dig so especially you know if you want to like like will said before if you're looking for the source material so to speak for the hawkeye uh tv show plus or minus like you said not beat for beat but definitely you'll you will see the similarities and the through lines there um definitely check that out yeah now fraction um he's not necessarily in in marvel comics he does some independent stuff now but but his first kind of team up with the artist that's on this um I'm gonna miss butcher his name again, but David Aja, I think it's his name. He he teamed up with him with a 
um, an Iron Fist run, which is really, really good. It's gritty. It's, it's the panels are, are great. It's funny. It's, it's entertaining. It's, it's exciting. So he first teamed up with that creator, um, with that artist for for Iron Fist, and then jump. They collaborated again with this run on on Hawkeye, and and they do some good storytelling with with Clint and Kate Bishop. So that's my recommendation to find the source material, grab it. It's it's not a very thick or expensive graphic novel. You can probably find it wherever you buy books or a local comic book store, and uh, it'll be a fun fun read. Yeah, for sure. All right, y'all. Until next time, peace. Let us know how you're doing and, and how uh, we can keep this uh, going in terms of the topics that you want to hear. And remember that uh, you are a priesthood, a priesthood of the geeks. We're all in this together as, as God's chosen people. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.